You're listening to Ref Talk Radio with Bernie and PC. Here we go! Welcome to another episode of Ref Talk Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Bernie, and we are PC-less today. So the average intelligence of this Zoom meeting just went up because I was able to find someone to uh, co-host slash uh, join me for an interview today. So we are joined by, quote, one of the busiest up-and-coming referees in all of Winnipeg. It's Camille Forbes. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. This is very exciting. (laughs) Uh, Where is that quote from? (laughs) I've heard it before. Well, I'm I'm glad. So uh, maybe I can remind you where it came from. Um, You were officiating the second of four hockey games on a Saturday before Christmas. Oh, I know now. <laughs> and you paid the price for a bad hit. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's the, the free press article from last year. It was a U15A1 game. The youngest age group where body checking was allowed. You were working the lines. A player who had just cleared the puck was drilled late by an opposing player. He was sent careening into Forbes, who was holding her position along the boards. Without any time to avoid the collision, the helmet of the player... Being checked, struck her in the chin, causing her head to snap back violently as she was sent flying into the boards. What happened? That sounds like a full-on game report. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that was last year. That was just wrong place, wrong time. I remember that I was supposed to do three games. I think it was like the second period of the first game. Out for the rest of the day and the next day too. Oh geez, uh, this is quite the story. Our pal Danlet wrote up. Um, it was during the well, I don't know if you could say during the pandemic. It was sort of towards the end of what we would consider the pandemic. Just talking about uh, life of an official. It was found in the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, I had a lot of people actually talk to me that they actually read it because it was a pretty big spread. I remember. Yeah, I, I remember that took a little while to come out. Uh, a lot of people read it a lot. I got it forward to me a lot. They're like, oh, hey, it's you. It's like, yep, that that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, the article goes on in your section to kind of talk about how much you're working. So uh, I joke, but it says that you were doing 30 or more games uh, a month in half a dozen leagues. Are you still working that much? A little less. Uh, this year, I think I'm per month, I'm about 20 now because uh, I'm trying to finish up my degree. So I, I'm focusing a little more on that. So I'm only wrapping on weekends right now. <laughs> I think I think my favorite part of your uh, your section of this article is is where it says, it was a reminder that every time an official steps on the ice, they're taking an enormous risk. Sometimes, like in this case, the reward was twenty five dollars. Yeah, that game, <laughs> that game is only twenty five dollars. <laughs> oh man, that one that that got me. Uh, PC is in this article too, and uh, and they even do a little bit of 
name dropping on RTR. So um, it was it was kind of cool that that Dan ran this article and uh, you know put a spotlight on on what we do and uh, and it was nice that you were featured in that, eh? Yeah, that one was good, and I think Luke Janis was in it too, and he had a good one, a story about something that happened. So uh, it touts you as one of Winnipeg's up and coming and busy officials. So tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, how you started out. How did you get into officiating? How did this begin? Uh, I started when I was 15, which is a little older than some people. My dad told me I had to get a job. And so I started refing. But uh, my brother had started refing the year before me. And I saw that he was doing it. And me, same way I started basically all my sports. I saw my brother do it. I was like, no, I can do that. So then I also repped <laughs> and so I started off doing some games with him and moving up through the area kind of helps that I've had support from my family and like my brother and my dad who both have coached, officiated and now timekeep. <laughs> so, um, I played university soccer and I ended up tearing my ACL and I, that's kind of like a transition point for me where when I came back the following year, I suddenly like shot up and started improving a lot started working AAA and led to where I am now. So you played university level soccer. Do you think that maybe uh, they saw you had a soccer DB account since you'd played at a high level? So now you, you're allowed to officiate at a high level? Because that's how it seems to work, right? <laughs> that didn't work that way for me, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no one on the refing side knew I played soccer until I said something usually. Uh, okay. Um, did you ever officiate soccer? I did. I tried. I, it was unsuccessful for me. Um, I, I was 18 when I tried to officiate soccer and I really hated it so much. I did like six games and honestly, the development system for soccer referees is so different. You, there's like two levels and then you just kind of get pushed through the different leagues and right away they put me into a woman's game. Like my, for all my games were women's games. And then I was 18 working a game with like 30 year old women who are competitive and swearing at me. And I couldn't take it at that time. Cause I didn't know what I was doing for soccer. Like I played, but I like, I'm five games in, I barely know how to look for the offside. Never mind, like deal with everyone yelling at me. And there's so much more and there's, you don't have a crew. It's just you. So really? So you were on your own. So it's like, that's um, more rec soccer then. Oh, I did do some like uh, premier soccer. Like I did some younger, uh, like U16, under 16, top level soccer. And even, it was even worse then because then you got the parents and the kids and the coaches. And even then you were on your own? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was wow. just me. And it's my first year and they're just throwing, which doesn't make sense at all. They're, yeah. you, you'd think they would have me doing some like 11 year olds, 13 year olds, bottom level women's sure. But I was doing like, um, division two. So it was like higher, higher level women's. And, and I mean, you were a goalkeeper, so you didn't know the rules. I knew some of the rules, but there's like, <laughs> <laughs> I was a player. Players don't know the rules. <laughs> um, I, that's interesting because um, when I ref Bandy, it's very much soccer, but with hockey equipment. So the structure of the officiating is the same as soccer. You've got your head referee who skates the middle of the ice. 
uh, calls majority of the fouls, but then you have two flag people or lines people uh, who get your offsides and um, flag any fouls that are kind of right in front of them. And I was surprised how, I guess, easy it was considering, like like you're saying, like I got tossed in, right? Like I'm going to world championships with two games ever under my belt thinking like, I don't know what I'm doing. But, but I felt like having that support and knowing, oh, in this sport, your other teammates on your officiating team can actually call fouls. Like that was huge. So I mean, I I did enough prep work that I could call the big ones, but sometimes it'd be like, ooh, borderline. And and Bandy was so much more sensitive, you could say, to fouls than hockey. Um, that for me to find that line, my partners basically were able to show me where the line was. So I was kind of thinking like, oh yeah, if you're ref in soccer, but if you're on your own, that you're on your own, that's uh, set up to fail. Well, like what's the culture of Bandy as well? Because for soccer, it's dangerous to be a referee sometimes. Bandy, it's very strict. Like my evaluators all the time would tell me like, you should have penalized that player or you should have penalized that coach because he put his arms in the air and said, hey, and I was like, what for that? Really? Like. Um, but they were very strict. And, and my understanding is that in other sports, it tends to be that way, rugby and football. Um, but I guess you're saying it's not that way for soccer here. Soccer, there's a lot of complaints, and I think it is stricter than hockey and what you can penalize. And in Canada, it's a little stricter and better, but you bring in um, like other internationally, free. I've heard in Europe, like if you call a bad game, which is subjective to the fans you you like you will get death threats and you will be like security there's i'm pretty sure there's been one or two instances where someone has like a referee has been attacked yeah yeah uh, yeah you're right at those top top levels there's a lot riding on that that's true Uh, yeah and it it trickles down right that kind of behavior that you see that at one level and it comes down like the refuse suck chant at the NHL and then you get it in a, I got it in a U15 double A game this week. <laughs> That's the part that gets me all the time. <laughs> like there's, there is part of it that it's in jest. It's meant to be sort of silly. Um, yeah. You know, it's a united front. Like, well, we're yelling at the refs cause we're the home team and we're all supporting our home team. But that trickle down is the part that kind of makes me tilt my head when you see like a 45 year old father standing beside his seven year old son. And that's the guy who's going the hardest. And you're like, really, man, because now your kid's going to go do that at their game. And it's true. That's what you see. And you can't explain to the kid, like your dad's wrong. (laughs) No, that's just, they just do it. Monkey see, monkey do. Do you feel that your soccer experience sets you up for any successes in the officiating world? absolutely uh preparedness when i'm walking into like higher level games like i have a set warm-up that i can just pull off the top of the hat i know what i need to do to be fueled because i had all that training i know off ice training so like during the summer when we're not skating as much like i'm in the gym or running or uh i favorite my favorite's ladder drills which is uh just speeds up my feet in the end zones and the commitment to like I transitioned right away from doing a lot of refing from practicing soccer every day. So then people are like, Oh, you're refing so much. You're doing a lot of games. So like I'm actually taking up the same amount of time I was before with soccer. Now soccer takes up so much less of my time. I just fill that in with refing. So that's, and you're getting paid to do it. And I'm getting paid to do it. <laughs> yeah. 
so let's talk a little bit about some of those successes. So uh, you start to move up through the ranks. Um, what was the first event or maybe even assignment that you felt uh, was a significant jump or step for you? Hmm. Or maybe there wasn't a moment because sometimes that happens where it's just gradual and it progresses so that you never kind of get that yeah. single moment of uh, of like, wow, it just kind of happens. Yeah, I set like I set a lot of goals and I break them down really small. So every goal I've set and made has been a big accomplishment to me. So like U15 AAA was one, U17 AAA was one, switching from uh, lining to head referee. Those have all been like very important. There's one moment where like I knew I wanted to be a competitive referee if you want like work the high levels uh this was way back actually my second year (laughs) where I lined my first three-person game and uh I worked with like Christine Durham and Ashley Desjardins was uh assigning and mentored me and like I I think I worked like eight games that weekend and it was the girls showcase that's now girls united though it wasn't called that at the time and I, I that's when I met Amy Martin and Allie Wareham and I saw all these amazing women refereeing and I felt part of a team it wasn't just me and this other person who didn't really know what we were doing but I I learned so much went I like this like I I could do this every day for a while like and have you noticed because you're bringing up names now that uh that show how long you've been doing this um and so I'm curious if from the start of your career until today, um, have you noticed a change or a shift at all in terms of uh, women's involvement uh, in the referee side? And has that changed who you might look up to and what you aspire to? Yeah, there's definitely been a change because a lot of the people who I looked up to when I first started have now retired. Like Ashley's no longer skating, Christine's not skating, Danielle McGurry's not skating. So now Amy's still skating. So she's obviously one of my number ones. And part of it's they're my peers now. Amy Martin, I work with her, uh, Cynthia Cote, Jody Anderson. Like we've come up a little bit and cro- we work a lot of games together. And it's no longer just like I have to go watch this person. It's like, no, I'm skating a game with this person. That's, uh, that's always a, an interesting experience. I mean, I remember doing the same thing um, in my career. Um, do you find that when you work with people like that the first few times, like, does it make you either nervous or you start to wonder, Ooh, should I call it? Should I give it to them? Do you, do you have those experiences too? I definitely have those experiences. Uh, not so much with like Amy and Cynthia, cause I, I've around them all the time. Like females, there's yeah. less than a dozen of us. That's true. So you get to work with them quite a bit. Yeah, I've been working with them for years. But when I work with someone who like works MJ and I'm we're doing the four official system and I'm refereeing with them, it's I, I definitely kind of end up sitting back, and it's a habit I'm trying to break right now. <laughs> I it's so strangely psychological because I even still find that I end up having a different game when I'm with some people versus other people, even as long as I've been doing this. And it's mm-hmm. I, but I'm even aware, like it's like I know who I'm working with today and I know that this might be somewhere in my head and I do everything I can to get rid of it but there's just there's something that it, it, it can happen and I even know I know of some people who got to you know what we would can kind of consider the highest level you can get to in the province and they still had people that they said that was true for them even though they had already quote-unquote made it 
Yeah, I think even in, especially in the four official system, I was thinking about this last night actually was, we're going to adjust our game to the partner we're with and it's going to be a different game we call every time. Like I've worked a game with PC this fall and we have very different styles. He calls it a lot tighter than I do. So my style changes drastically to how he's calling it. And then we worked a game together last night and we were a lot more on the same page and it was a lot more, I felt a little more in control than I did with PC. So, so you prefer that I just <laughs> let them play and don't call anything. That's what I heard there. I'm just, I'm just kidding. That's, I don't, that's how I call my games so though. I don't call anything. <laughs> that's, I just, that's I what, just yell and that's it. That's what PC would say about working with me too. He's like, why do I always have my hand in the air? Like, well, because then I, it's good cop, bad cop, Paul. We both saw it. You put your hand up. I'm like, well, he's got it. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> um, so something that's, I mean, coming up, I'm sure you worked both male and female hockey. Yeah, true? Yes. Um, but as you get now into some of the elite leagues in the province, um, some some new opportunities, I would say, very recently have been opened to female officials. Um, is that something that you kind of always had your sights on that you wanted to accomplish even though it hadn't been done or are you now going hey they do it so now I definitely want to do it yeah so the way I set my goals is almost like a staircase one step at a time and at the end there is always like the big stuff like uh working a national tournament or working internationally and now there's so many more opportunities so I have to like add in new steps onto this stairway and it's actually really exciting because there's those, those are the fun things. Each step is so fun. Like uh, the regional OPOE was held for the first time in a long time this year. And I got to go do that. And it was something I didn't think, I didn't know was a thing until two months before it happened. It's, uh, and that's really, you just said like you didn't even know it was a thing. And I think that's where we're going wrong still. And the fact that we don't know that there's these opportunities and steps that we could have, it just means that officials don't know how to do that. I mean, you you um, having the experience uh, working at an elite level in soccer gave you those skills, I'm sure. And maybe you having those skills is what got you there. But lots of people don't have the skills to build those steps to work towards goals. So if you, A, don't have those skills already, and B, don't know those opportunities exist, how can we count on anyone getting anywhere? Right? Like it's, it just kind of, you get kind of pigeonholed and actually that's what happened to my brother. He, he ended up quitting refing and it was a lot. He was just getting kind of mentally beat up by everything that was happening. And in the end, he didn't know where he was going to go from it. He thought that like, am I just going to do area hockey? Like he didn't know he could ref AAA hockey or go any farther. So he ended up just dropping out. So we could even lose officials that way. Yeah, I, I think what we need is a, a real focus on that mentorship and officiating coaching. Yeah. And, and less on like front loading the start of the year with here's how you ref and just get out there. Tell people uh, what the opportunities are and make sure that that's, uh, that's clear. Yeah, yeah. That is why we need more things like uh there's Manitoba officials Instagram account, female officials Instagram account. And I think one of the important things it does is it shares all the successes that female officials are having. So then you can see it's like, oh, that's something I can aspire to. That's reachable for me. And it's just it, it 
shares the small steps as well, not just the big steps. Like I want to work Olympics. Well, there's a lot of steps to get there and it kind of shows what those goals are. And then you can kind of figure out how to attain them as, and as well as like uh, the mentorship set out in like APSJ area, as well as winnipegrefs.com does a lot of clinics, just like the one I hosted this past Thursday for introduction to lining. Little plug here, wpgrefs.com. <laughs> Um, so then naturally that leads me to ask you, what is the next small step? The next small step, um, for me, I have two, I I always have multiple going. One of them is I would like to referee provincial AAA. I'm currently lining it regularly, but I have a goal of refereeing it. Not sure when that's going to happen right now. I am pretty sure I'm close. I just trying to work on the things that'll get me there. So being more assertive in leagues, that's one thing I've been working on to try and reach that step. And another one is uh, I would like to get, I've been, I would like to go to SOs for on the female side. The SO, the SO cup, that is the national championship yes. for U18 AAA female. So that's, mm-hmm. uh, and that's one that we've had officials go to. So yeah. um just this past year, Cynthia Cote went. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So we'll keep an eye on that, and uh, we'll check in and see how those those steps went, because those seem like you're setting reasonable steps that can be attained um, in a short period of time. Are there any that you know? What's that top step for you? Or you said Olympics? Like, is that what it is? No, that's not the end. Obviously, okay. I, I right. kind of I have some goals that are like I think the Olympics are like a reaching goal. I'm not sure if I can quite get there, but a big goal for me is like, I know I've done, I, I've done my best is working an international tournament. That's my, that's my end goal. You know, an international tournament would really, really be the icing on the cake. You just mentioned one of your goals being to referee U18 AAA. That would be the, the male side I'm assuming you're referring to in this case. Yes. Um, so then what is in your uh, in your experience, the biggest challenge transitioning between officiating male and female hockey games, let's say at equivalent levels. There's some differences where obviously there's hitting versus non-hitting. So having your standard is going to be different. The style of hockey is a little more different. Like girls can play gritty, but in guys, you're looking for a little more keep shots and you have to especially for me being a female switching from female to male I find on the male side I have to earn respect and it takes a lot longer and so finding my footing that way is always probably my biggest challenge going then the female side is not being too over assertive being too dominant because they can they don't need as much I find as the guys do yeah we were talking about that in our game last night too about how sometimes it's the play doesn't develop in the same way too. Like you're expecting one thing and then they don't necessarily follow through with that play and you get caught up a little bit more. Yeah. I find myself standing in the wrong spot sometimes and especially lining you'll, I find myself in just the blue line positioning has to be so different because they're coming into the, they're entering into the zone completely differently because girls are trying to rub whereas guys are trying to make the hit. So for guys hockey, you can probably stand outside the blue line and avoid the hit. Whereas girls, if you stand there, you still might get run over <laughs> or hit with the puck. 
That's absolutely true. Um, and the hard the hard rim into the zone to chase. I, I I think you nailed it. For lines people, that's probably the hardest. The the women carry it in, want to try and drive wide. So the lines people <laughs> have to pick their spots because they're going to get run over. Whereas you're just trying to avoid that hard dumping a lot of the times in the male game. And you know it's going around the other side likely or there's going to be a hit in the corner. So the referee's got to then pick their spot. So yeah, it's... It is tough to transition between between the two. It is yeah. it is a um, a skill. <laughs> yeah, the guy the male side's easier to read compared to the female side, but so uh, we worked a game together last night, as we said, and you said it's your first year refereeing the female Canada West University level, whatever you want to call it now, uh, formerly CIS. Uh, how are you enjoying that league? It's been really good. I, I enjoy the level of hockey it is. It's not a good year for Bisons. To, they're usually a little better. So it's been almost a good thing for me because it's giving me a lower step to get on to. But uh, I was talking with one of my linesmen from the game last night and I'm still still adjusting, still kind of scared out there. <laughs> you could probably see that last night. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you looked scared. That's certainly too strong a word. It's funny because at some point you kind of hit this spot in your career where you, you have to look at yourself and go like, no, no, now now I'm one of the veterans. You forget about it in some of your other, when you're wearing your other hats, right? And it was only in the last year or two that I kind of, you know, actually came to the moment where I self-realized like, wait a minute, like now I'm the veteran when I go to do this. So when I started working this league, um, I was working with Willie Mack, in fact. Um, who was our mentor last night. So he was my mentor when I was uh, working through AAA. And and then when I started working the league, he was the guy I was working with in the female Bisons because I think at that point there were even fewer female officials um, to work that higher level. Um, so I came to the point where it was like, now I'm working this league with younger officials who were looking at me like the older mentor official and I hadn't realized it. Um, so now I try to be a bit more aware of it and, and do things that try to help. You I don't know if I did a good job of that last night. When you did say last night, it's like pretend I'm not here. That was actually really helpful because that's kind of what I need to do is not what, you know, my partner so much as a younger official. And then now it's like trying to get it on the conversation level rather than just I'm learning from you. I'm learning from you. Like you want to be on that same level with your partner. Um, do you ever have conversations before the game with officials like that to try and figure out where your standard is? When it's someone that you haven't worked with or when there's a discrepancy in experience, I think that that's really, really important. Um, we talked about this last night as well in terms of working with people frequently you just get to a spot where you don't need to do it as much anymore um, but definitely I have those conversations especially when I recognize that I'm in that position as the veteran official and I either know that someone doesn't have many games in a league or or might have even verbalized that they're nervous because you know for whatever reason then I'll I'll have a more in-depth conversation. Um, I don't know if that's something we should do more or not. I don't know because people have different standards, but at the same time, I feel like those standards over the last decade or so have sort of narrowed in. Yeah, I think with the new programs that are coming in through Hockey Canada are even going to narrow that 
down from national level to provincial level and to our region level. And I think back to watching the World Juniors this year and the threshold for some of their penalty calls, right? We get talked about a lot because they tend to they tend to call more significant penalties more frequently at that level. And they call things that we might get called soft if we do it. But I also do find that our standard is tightening up a little bit. Uh, and we're all coming towards the same page a bit more than when I started in that league, in, well, referring to the MJHL. I think that there are people who were at one end of the extreme and the other, and it was more common. Whereas now I think that gap has narrowed. And if you have two officials that aren't on the same page, it's not because they have crazy, vastly different interpretations of what is and what isn't a penalty. Those conversations more now in the dressing room about where are you looking? Um, And we talked about that last night too, where it's like, well, if you get pivoted there, I'm watching over here. Um, But I've learned to look at my other official too, to learn where they're going to look. Um, that's, that's something that I had to work on because before I, I was, you know, sometimes you get puck focused or whatever it is, but that was something I had to work on is figuring out where are they looking so that now I know where to watch because there's no point in watching the same spot. We had a situation like this last night, actually, where Willie Mack was telling us, it's like, we should be looking, you should be looking at the play up high, but because of where I was positioned, I couldn't see the net. So I was looking at the play up high and you were looking at the net. Right. And, and like I say that, whether it's on, uh, whether it's even strength or a power play situation changes that too, because I find that um, five on five or even strength as the official down low, I'm generally watching the puck and the, mm-hmm. the main action. Whereas when a team's shorthanded and there's usually a pretty solid battle going on at the top of the crease, you're standing right there. That's kind of where I find myself watching more. And so that it changes. So you have to make sure that your partner knows that so that, you know, if they've got control and they're using the perimeter on the power play, why would you watch that when there's a guy getting cross-checked in the kidney at the top of the crease? There's no sense in the person who's four times further away watching that, right? So you have to make those changes. And that just comes with experience, practice, and getting comfortable with your partners. Mm-hmm. So we also talked after the game about, uh, you know, being an RTR listener and you had mentioned that your dad recently got into listening to our podcast. So you got to tell me a bit more about this. Yeah. So my dad, he was my coach from like nine years old all the way up. He coached my brother and was coaching Belleville High School boys. So a lot of reps know him. Uh, probably I probably not. do know him. He, he knows you. <laughs> he, knows, <laughs> he knows a lot of reps. And so he retired from coaching this year. And last year he started listening to the podcast and he got really really into it i i think i get a phone call after he finishes every episode just so he can discuss what happened and it was the same thing then when he was coaching after games he'd give me a call like i saw this penalty happen but they didn't call it why didn't it happen and just like diving into situations so he retired from coaching this year and he can't get him away from the rink now he picked up timekeeping this fall so he's now an off-ice official and loves the podcast (laughs) he's been bugging me for when the next episode's coming out so well okay i feel like i do have to address it so i will apologize to the fan base we uh we had a little bit of a hiatus here for rtr um yeah i uh i had my appendix removed in early december there it was a little bit of a surprise so uh, i was out for that and then 
Um, my wife gave birth to uh, to our son on Christmas Day, so that was another, you know, okay, we got to wait a little longer. And uh, now PCU decided to go gallivanting, and he's, he's traveling around the world. So uh, I said, you know what? No, the people demanded that there was another episode. So PC or no PC, the show will go on. So uh, I want to thank you for joining us today and uh, and giving us some insight into you know your world of officiating and coming up as a female through the ranks and uh, and I'm I'm hoping our listeners will be excited to jump back on the RTR train after the uh, the brief pause over the holiday. Yeah, well, all good reasons to have a pause. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, yeah, I actually was off the ice for for about a month there, so. Um, trying to come back and it was I had a game in Portage an MJ game and it was like all right well let's let's see luckily I actually my my warm-up lap holy that was rough and uh and they do the whole show uh in Portage as well they turn the lights off they get some strobes going so it was like all right jump on the I'm excited I'm pumped up right I haven't been on the ice in a month with the guys really excited to get back into it take like three strides and I feel like I'm gonna fall on my face like it felt like I had some men to my skates it was awful (laughs) Yeah, it's good to be getting back on the ice. It was great to work with you. That was our first game together last night. Um, it was actually our it was our first game refereeing together. Oh, okay. So we've done bison games with you in the lines. Yes, last year. Okay. Yeah, that checks out. So my first time refereeing with you. All right. Thank you for the correction. That <laughs> makes more sense. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's always great to work with uh, new people and and it I, I feel like working with people too, it it sets you up to almost absorb their goals too, especially when you vocalize them. I mean, if they don't tell you, they don't tell you, but when you know what someone else is working towards, when you work with them, you feel partly responsible. And I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, you get a little bit of everyone that kind of, that's what makes yourself, right? You have from other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for joining us and keep your dad listening and uh, we'll, we'll take his feedback anytime. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's given you guys a lot of feedback over the years. I don't know if you want any more. <laughs> <laughs> Look good, feel good, breath good. <laughs>